Hello and welcome to the Netfa podcast with myself, Rani Pramesti, Senior Project Officer for Netfa. Netfa is the National Education Toolkit for Female Genital Mutilation, Cutting or Circumcision Awareness. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that I am joining you all today from Narm Kulin Country in Melbourne, Australia. And our guest today, Margaret Matteo Bacco, will be joining us from Ghana Country in Adelaide, Australia. I would like to pay respects to elders, past and present. This podcast contains important stories and conversations about female genital mutilation, circumcision or cutting. Some listeners may find this triggering. Support is available on the Netfa website. Please go to netfa.com.au. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Margaret Matteo Bacco, who has worked as a support worker with people affected by FGMC for 17 years in South Australia. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Rana for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm a South Sudanese woman, Af- African woman, and I've been in Australia since 1985. I'm married with six children, five girls and one boy, age 43 to 18. Mm, wonderful. And what is your connection to the issue of FGMC, Margaret? Um, my connection is that I think nineteen ninety seven, and I've worked. I've done some volunteer works with many organizations, and I also worked with uh, many organizations. And FGM uh, prevention program in South Australia was one of them. That's where I start, and I actually have learned a lot about FGM or female circumcision during that period of time. Mm, thank you. That gives me a sense of how you have done literally decades of work with communities affected by FGMC. You mentioned that sometimes some of that work can be quite difficult or challenging. Can you talk to me about that? Yes, when we started uh, the program, it was that uh, we found it a bit difficult uh, because the professional, the health professional in hospitals and some human service provider could not understand. They didn't have, well, maybe I can say they didn't have enough information about FGM, so they didn't understand sometimes what to do in the case of they find a woman or a child who have gone through FGM program. So we start working with those professionals, try to uh, inform them about FGM practice and its different types as well. So, Margaret, can you tell me what were some of the difficulties that you experienced when you were working with healthcare professionals and human service providers? Um, some of the difficulties we found uh, were uh, sometimes when the professionals were dealing with women who are pregnant or giving birth, um, it, because they did not understood um, what the woman was going through or what she had, especially with the type uh, which we call infibulation. Some of them used to ask us and say, 
They don't know if the woman is deformed. Was she born like that or not? So we will have to explain it to them. And also, um, I they were not asking the right question. Either they were scared to ask the women the question. These are the things that we really work with them uh, to improve, to um, inform them about what question they should ask. Mm. And can you give me an example of when this happened? Uh, yes, I had a friend who went through female circumcision. So she was pregnant and during the birth, she had a cesarean. When I went to visit her, I asked, she told me she had cesarean. I said, why did you have cesarean? She said, oh, the doctor said I have to have a cesarean. But actually remembering back privately, she smiled and she said to me, I think because I have a female circumcision. So they actually didn't, um, my friend didn't have, and it was just like that, like she didn't have a chance of, you know, somebody asking her, would you want to have cesarea? Or they didn't even explain it to her. We could not uh, go through. We don't know how to do this. It's better we give you cesarea. Mm. And how do you think health professionals can bring up FGMC safely with community members? I think the health professionals should have um, an idea of how to approach people. For example, uh, you, they can ask a question like, we understand you are coming from a country where, or from Africa, where female circumcision is practiced. Uh, in your country, do you practice female circumcision? If so, did you go through? And what type did you go through? What type did you have? And please don't use the word mutilation because this could be offended, uh, can offend some community members. And do not just assume because I come from that particular country, I'm circumcised. Because in one country, some group can be circumcised and some group are not circumcised. Mm, that's a really important point. And in your friend's case, the one who had a cesarean, what other options do you think should have been investigated? In my friend's case, what I know for sure that there was a language barrier and then they used the husband as, a, as an interpreter, which also make it very difficult for the woman to talk about her uh, experience because she can't, in our culture, you can't just go talking about things like that in front of how you feel about your private part to your husband. We don't do things like that. I think they should have provided my friend with interpreter or also the midwife. They should refer her to the midwife so that the midwife can deal with her and ask her question and explore, you know, what my friend have been through, how, which type did, did my friend have, does she need operation or she doesn't need to have cesarea. And also they should have explained to her that, you know, uh, because of the type of female circumcision you have gone through, we, do, we are not equipped to undo it. So we are going to uh, go through with the cesarean. In that case, at least she understood, yes, they can't, but they've explained things to her. Mm, absolutely. These are some really important suggestions. Thank you, Margaret. 
And how do you think we can engage women affected by FGMC who might, you know, experience taboo or shame about talking about their experiences? In most African countries, women do not talk about their sexual health uh, publicly. It's a private thing. It's a women thing. So um, we need to be careful with how we approach women uh, with question in relation to reproductive health. And um, uh, like, for example, let me just give you this example. Before I started working with the FEMA FGM program in South Australia, they, they did run a workshop like the one that we are doing with NETFA. So they sent somebody to me and say, oh, ask Margaret if she can join us. The person came and said, oh, we are running a very good uh, program, uh, which is to do with the African sexual health. I was like, no, no way. They said, please. I said, no. In my mind, I was thinking, I already have five kids. Why would I want somebody to talk to me about sex? So the woman left. But a few days later, the coordinator came to me, to my house. And she said to me, oh, Margaret, we really need you to join this program. And it's a very good program. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's called uh, African Women Reproductive Health. I was like, yes, I need to know about the reproductive health. First of all, what impressed me was that I wasn't going, I, in my head, I thought, oh, I'm not going to talk about sex. That was gone. And secondly, because the coordinator came to me, that showed me she valued me and she respected me as well. Mm-hmm. So being really mindful with the language that we use when we are engaging with communities. So, Margaret, can you tell me about some of the biases that you have heard yourself from healthcare professionals? Oh, the thing that we used to hear was uh, like, oh, my God, how can they do that to their kids? Oh, that's so bad. I will never do something like that to my own child. And also the other thing was I didn't like was people just because they heard that female circumcision is practiced in Africa. So the all African country. When they see you, they think that you are circumcised. So you went through that one. That's uh, female circumcision also? No, I didn't, because it's not all African country practice female circumcision. So these are the things that we used to hear. And um, with the FGM, because a lot of professionals did not um, know about female circumcision that much, so they didn't even know about the different type in population. Even like, for example, for me, before I start um, uh, uh, the program, I only knew infibulation because that's what's used mostly in the country where I come from. But after I joined the FGM program, I learned that there was four types. So on the, on the other hand, I understood that they just need to be given, the professional need a lot of information in this area to help them support the people that who need support. And why do you think it's important for healthcare professionals to be aware of their biases? It is very important for a human service provider or healthcare 
professional. Because when you are working with people who have different culture or background, they have to understand other people's culture background. I think as a professional, we need to open up and learn more about other culture and try to understand it so that we can appreciate it as well. Culture, culture is something that's changed and it evolves. We don't have to be judgmental of other people's culture until we understood it fully. Mm, a really powerful point. That brings me to the next question, which is, how can health professionals best support people affected by FGMC? By working with the person as a whole, not just as I'm doing my job, by trying to learn from the person, try to understand and step into their shoes, imagining as if you were in their position or if you were in their position, what would you have done? You do this by working with their family and a community and then trying to learn from them and understanding their culture and their belief system. Mm. And if you have one key message for healthcare professionals who are listening, what would it be? Healthcare providers have the power to help stop the practice of female circumcision by working with affected family and communities in a holistic way, supporting, empowering them with information about their health and well-being. Thank you so much, Margaret. You've been such a wealth of knowledge and experience. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners today. Thank you too, Rana, for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This episode of the NETFA podcast was supported by the Multicultural Centre for Women's Health, and the University of South Australia. We discuss important stories and conversations about female genital mutilation, circumcision, or cutting. Support is available on the NETFA website. Please go to netfa.com.au. Thank you for listening. Hey, 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 hey.